The sermon today is God is bigger than any problem you face. We come to this story here where Samson has chosen a, 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 a woman that he wants to marry, which seems fine. Problem is, she's uh, part of the Philistines. And to marry someone from one of those uh, pagan religions was forbidden for the Israelites. But he didn't care. He was going to do it anyway. So he went after this woman. And we find, and I'll talk about that extensively next week. I'm talking about this a little bit, women and Samson today. But next week is a big sermon on how he got messed up uh, with his lust and, and trouble in his life. But he did something that was forbidden. Then he rejected God's word, we find in this passage, by killing a number of Philistines in, 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 um, in great anger, and they, they, they outwitted him. And um, so he comes to this place, goes after this woman. They don't, uh, the, the, there's a riddle, remember the riddle of the lion and the, and the honey, and uh, they get the answer from his wife-to-be, and he kills a number of them. Now they're ticked off, and we pick it up in Judges 15.9. The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, there's um, lots of trouble we'll face in life, problems that come our way, and Often there are problems that, that we didn't cause, that we just have to deal with. And Lord, you're there for us. I praise you for that. And other, other times, Lord, it's like Samson. There are problems we did cause with our own behavior. And yet you're loving and forgiving and you want to help us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide today, Lord. I pray that uh, conviction would come, but Lord, I pray there'd be no condemnation. I pray that your love would prevail and that your wisdom for each person's own situation would go right to their hearts. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So three things I want to take from the text that we're looking at in Judges 15 today, and the first is this. Everyone has trouble in their life. The Philistines had oppressed and controlled Israel, and here's part of the reason they were having trouble. Look at Judges 13.1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. The Philistines, I mentioned this last week, are modern-day Palestine. Uh, so that, that might be interesting to some of you to see that those, those troubles continue on uh, as, as those are warring nations uh, through the centuries. But, but they, they weren't following God, and so they were having trouble. I mentioned it in my prayer, but there are predominantly two kinds of trouble in our lives, in my life and in your life. There's trouble that's not our fault. One of the scriptures I love so much because it speaks to the fact that trouble happens that we don't cause and the Lord is there for us is John 16, and it says this, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. So he sets it up by, by saying, I want to bring you peace with these words. Here on the earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. And that's for believers. And there's a faction of Christianity or followers of Christ that want to make you think if you're living right, you'll never have trouble. Well, Jesus never sinned, and he had plenty of trouble, but it was all because he was doing the right things. And, and, and remember what I said before, that when it comes to this life, we're, the church isn't a cruise ship, we're a battleship. And so that means every now and then there are battles to, to fight. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I love that, that these are the words of Christ, because I have overcome the world. If you're facing trouble today that you don't understand and you can't comprehend, 
you can take heart because he loves you and he's going to help you overcome. And then there's a second type of trouble that comes, uh, and it's the kind we bring on ourselves. We don't really like to admit this in America because we like to think positively. Well, I'll tell you what's positive. Get rid of the stinking thinking, and that would be really, really positive. And, and, and our behavior matters. And, you know, just like a, a marriage can end because of a decision that's made in the passion of a, 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 of a moment, um, there are consequences for things we do. And it doesn't mean God doesn't love us if we sin, but it does mean that our sin will find us out. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have heartaches. And so one of the things we want to do is, is be responsible for our own behavior, take charge of our thoughts, and understand that God can help us to be greater than any temptation, to overcome any temptation that comes our way. Again, people say, Pastor, do you believe that a Christian can be sinless? I believe that as we trust the Lord, we can sin less and less all the time, that it's an ongoing sanctifying process where he's building us up, and we can let go of the old and take hold of the new, and we will be blessed. The trouble with this crowd, uh, the Israelites, we saw it in Judges 13.1, They were doing evil on the side of the Lord. They brought this uh, oppression upon themselves. And now Samson had stirred it up because of an angry fit where he killed many Philistines. Now, there's a dichotomy in this passage that is is hard to completely get. And I'm going to do the best I can to present it to you. But here's here's the uh, interesting thing here. Samson is being used by God to begin to break down the oppression of the Philistines that's been on them for 40 years. And yet... When he's the deliverer of sorts that God has chosen, he's not doing right and he still has God's anointing. That, that doesn't equate uh, very well for me and it, it, perhaps it doesn't for you. But one of the things I've learned uh, is that God is patient and he's long-suffering and he'll put up with our sin for a while, but in the end, we'll pay for it. Denny Duran is a friend of mine who helped me through this once. I remember being at uh, the Assemblies of God old-fashioned camp meeting days, they called it. <clears throat> and they had a preacher come in. I'd call his name, but I, I don't think it's necessary. But that guy seemed so anointed. He was one of the most capable speakers I'd ever heard in my life. He was articulate. He was funny. And he seemed powerful. And I could have sworn that the Holy Spirit was anointing him. And then the next week after he left camp meeting, he, he was from another state, uh, I, the news broke nationwide that this guy, who was quite famous preacher, had um, many women that he was having adulterous relationships with, and it ruined his ministry. And I'm telling you, that confused me. I was a young preacher, and I, I remember being the next week with a man of God named Denny Duran, who's an evangelist, and I said, Denny, I could have sworn that guy was anointed. That, that was perplexing to me. And he said he probably was. I said, well, how can that be when you're living that way? And he said, Stan, you remember Samson. Don't ever confuse the anointing uh, with character. See, the problem with Samson is in the end, his sin does destroy him. Israel's deliverance is never complete. And you have to ask the question after we see what happens to Samson and his shame and his sorrow and the lack of deliverance that he was raised up to bring, we have to wonder what would have happened if he had followed the Lord completely with his heart. So that's the interesting thing in this passage that we can take as a parallel for our own lives. He's patient with us. He'll even tolerate our sin for a season. But eventually, if we don't turn, consequences will come. God won't bless our sin. 
He just won't. He'll forgive it. He'll give us a season to overcome it. Then eventually, just like Samson, trouble comes. And we're left to ourselves in the terrible consequences. One of the ways that we see people falling um, tragically these days is Facebook relationships, hooking up with old high school uh, friends or people from our past and bringing destruction in marriage. Take a look at this video. consequences for something like that if you follow through with that 
decision to hide something, to be secret, to be with something else, someone else are devastating. Uh, I've, I've watched through the years, and I, I know it's not just Facebook where these things can happen and Facebook can be used positively. I don't, I don't mean anything uh, uh, by, by attacking Facebook, but, but you need to set up roadblocks. If you ever had passions or thoughts for one once before, don't, don't go there anymore. And um, understand that God, when God puts boundaries up, he's just trying to bless you to keep you from getting hurt. Isaiah 48, 18 says, Oh, that you would have listened to my commands. Then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness over you like waves in the sea. Psalm 81, speaking to the people of Israel, but still for us today, if my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? Israel's under the oppression, the bondage of the Philistines. One of the reasons we see them not helping Samson, 3,000 soldiers come to get Samson in this story we're about to read. 3,000 men, I should say, from Israel. Samson's about to kill a thousand, but there's 3,000 Israelites. They don't lift a finger to help him. They stand back and watch as he takes the jawbone of a donkey. They have no weapons. They're oppressed because of their past sin, and they're living in fear. Now, it's important to know wherever you are and whatever your trouble is, even if you brought it on yourself. I think it's important to admit it if we brought it on ourselves. I, uh, I had a cousin, we used to think it was so funny when she was a little girl, she was probably eight or ten years younger, and we'd, we'd say to her, she could barely talk, who pooped your diaper? And we thought it was so cute because she'd always point to someone else and call their name. And uh, I see people going through life like that, blaming all the mess that they made on somebody else, as if it's their fault. Here's when you start to get better, when you say, it's my fault, I'm responsible for my behavior, and you can add this to it. God is loving, he'll forgive me, he's powerful, he'll help me overcome, and he'll bring me through this. He cares about us. And no matter what you've done or where you've been, he will forgive you and he will help you if you'll turn to him. It's better to turn sooner than later, as we'll find out in the life of Samson as we move through this series. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, here's the heart of Christ for us. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Listen to the heart of Jesus for us. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. We all have trouble, and whether whether it's trouble that came our way that we couldn't help or trouble we brought on ourselves, if we'll look to Jesus, he's the one who's the answer and will help us out of it. When we look to him, he brings victory. And that leads me to my second point. God's power will bring victory. Story picked up at Judges 15, 14. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. So now he's handed over by his own people to the Philistines, he's killed, he's, he got angry because of this pagan wife thing that he was pursuing. He killed a bunch of the Philistines and they came into Israel and his own people handed him back over to the Philistines. But look what it says, but the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and he snapped the ropes on his arms 
as if they were burnt strands of flax and they fell from his wrists. I just want to stop and talk about that for a moment. We have the spirit of God to break bonds in our life too. And the spirit of God can help us to overcome anything that has bound us in our past. Verse 15, then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey and he picked, picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. That, that's an unbelievable scene. Hard to comprehend that one guy could take a bone from an animal, go through and slaughter a thousand soldiers who have weapons. But it happened. And it happened not because he was amazing, because God is amazing, and God put power on this dude to do this. Judges 14, 6. It's, it's, a, it's important to remember as we look at this that that though Samson uh, had a lust problem and an anger problem, he had been chosen from his birth to be a deliverer of sorts for Israel. And God was letting the Philistines be stirred up. And he was showing his mighty power through Samson. Perhaps he couldn't find righteous men in the nation, but he was looking to bring deliverance to his people. And, and this guy, he's got uh, this dichotomy of, of, uh, of courage and, and yet sin is somehow used of God in this situation still. But look, what, look how it came to him, these victories. It said in verse 14 of Judges 15, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. And then Judges 14, 6 says, at that moment the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaw apart with his bare hands. So he kills a lion with his bare hands. But it was the spirit of God there too. Spirit of God was coming on him. Judges 14, 19, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him again and he went down to the town of Ashkelon and killed 30 men. The spirit of God is showing up over and over to empower Samson. I think it's important to know that the spirit of God is available to all of us these days. See, in the Old Testament, there were just a few men that God would choose and women to put his spirit upon powerfully and show himself. Today, the new covenant, the new testament, the spirit of God is available to every one of us. Look what the word says, Acts 1.8, you will receive power. That's what he had, power, because the spirit was coming upon him. You will receive power when the spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. All of us can have God's power. And I, I just want to want us to look at the specific ways that that power shows itself in our lives. As we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7, here's the spiritual gifts. These, these are empowerment for believers. It says it's given to each of us so we can help each other and pick it up at verse 8. To the one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, I would say that there are some people who have these gifts in a predominant way in their lives, but I, one of the things I want to point out is these gifts are available to each individual, every one of them. 
I know that because every one of these gifts have worked in my life at one time or another when other people weren't necessarily around to, to distribute the gift that was in them. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is available for you to help you, to give you wisdom, to give you empowerment, to bring healing to your family, to your kids. The Spirit of God, that great power will work in you and through you. You don't need some great anointed person to touch God and feel his spirit. That great anointing of God can come to you. You say, well, how do I get it? Well, I would say two things. The first is live pure, and the second is boldly ask. Ask for God's help. Ask for healing. You say, it may not come. It may not. I like to just ask with all my heart, and then let, you know, if he decides different, then that's up to him. But he says, you have not because you ask not. That's what the word says. So I don't want to fall short with asking. But this I know, he's good and he always shows up. And if he doesn't heal, he brings wisdom into the situation. And he helps us. He'll help us through our trials. We have the spirit of God to give wisdom and power for whatever we face. And we have all the ability we need to overcome. However difficult the circumstances may look to you, God is more powerful. I haven't talked about this much. To be honest with you, it's been a difficult struggle for me. <clears throat> Maybe for me more than my daughter and, and, my, and my wife. But my daughter, uh, Candace, is 19 and um, probably had the onset of Graves' disease two years ago, but we didn't discover it till about a year ago. And it's been a great trial for, uh, for us. Um, she was allergic to the only medication that young people can take. Um, and so uh, as we were praying and asking God for healing, and I, I don't mean this in, in any sort of cocky way, but, but we're, we're used to seeing miracles happen. And I was sure that God was going to heal her. And quickly. And um, I'll tell you, I had faith that he was going to heal her. And he didn't. One of the things that it's helped me with is to understand how people feel when they don't get healing and they're asking God. Candace uh, had to fight some physical and emotional battles as it, it, it affected her body. And, uh, and then a radiation treatment to, to kill uh, that gland in her body. And now that gland is dead. And she has to take medication for the rest of her life. And she's, she's a teenager. Well, that's, that's hard for me. And um, I know there are worse trials, and I'm grateful that her life is not in jeopardy, and, and I'm grateful that she's doing better. I don't want to make this sound worse than it is, but I'm, I'm telling you about a trial. That's what I'm trying to do here. And I don't, I don't know that I've ever experienced more fear in my life than with this. Because I want her to be blessed. I want her to be okay. And I couldn't do it. And God wasn't answering my prayer, I thought. And her mom and I have agonized at times. And we've asked God, maybe like you have in situations, God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen? We know you can heal her, and yet you're choosing not to. Well, let me tell you where we landed and where we are. 
we've decided to trust Jesus anyway. We know he's good. We know he's powerful. And we know that Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good. The good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. That's us. That's me and my family. That's you. And whatever we face, whatever the trial is, we know that he's good and that he has us in mind, that he cares about us, just like you care for your children and you want to love and bless them and protect them, just like I want to do that for Candace. We know we have a God who is capable and powerful and watching over us with a heart that's even greater than ours to bless us. Job 13, 15 says this. Well, let me say this. Um, at, the, at the root of this, I'll speak for myself. Here's what I know. This world is not our home. It's just not. We're just passing through. And the way we live here determines the rewards we get in heaven. And God considers it faith in Hebrews 11 when people pray and things don't happen. He counted their faith as righteous unto them. And so faith can be exercised greatly when we're not seeing what we'd like to see and we're trusting God anyway. We see it all through the Bible. Think of this. The Lord Jesus Christ prayed before he went to the cross, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Don't let this happen. These are the words of Jesus, the Son of God. And then he said this, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And in that prayer from our Savior is the wisdom to know that a good God has purposes beyond what we can understand. And sometimes he's even using these things to bring glory to his name. Isn't it true? And this is, this is the thing that makes me uh, the proudest of my daughter. That, that when you pray and things don't happen, there, there's, there's a decision to be made by each individual. I'm gonna turn away from God because he's not listening or I'm gonna trust him anyway. And my daughter has come closer to Jesus. That's what she's decided to do. She went deeper into the word. And she's drawn close to him. So there's some good results that are, that are happening and even the trial to some degree is, has brought that on. But we also know that if God is allowing this, then he must, this is what we've decided, he must have some greater purpose in mind than we can understand. Just like the purpose God the Father had when he said, I'm gonna allow that cup to pass because I'm gonna bring deliverance through my son Jesus Christ to the whole world. So Jesus, the Bible says that he despised the shame of the cross, but he went anyway. That's what Hebrews says. And the Bible says there was a joy set before him to endure the cross despising that shame, and that joy was you, and it's me. We're his joy that was set before him. He endured the trial so that that could happen. And though we could never have purposes as noble and amazing and wonderful as that, still yet in our lives, a trial could have some purpose to bring him glory. And so listen, I'm still praying for Candace's healing and she's better. Though in some ways she'll never be the same, she's better. But we're not through it. And we're just gonna trust him anyway. Today we're gonna come to this altar at the end of the service and if you're going through a trial, we're gonna ask you to come and pray. And we're gonna pray for healing. We're gonna pray for deliverance. We're gonna pray for wisdom in all the circumstances of your life. But I can tell you that we have found peace because we've just decided to trust, though we don't get it.
And I believe the Lord will, will either deliver you from the fire or he'll walk through that fire with you. That's the God we serve. And either way, those, either one of those is way better than trying to do it on our own and despairing. Job said in chapter 13, verse 15 of that book, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Now, that may not look like a faith statement to you, but that is faith right there. I'm gonna trust him even though I don't get it. Do you know it's okay to say to God, I don't understand? It's okay to be honest with him. I will surely defend my ways to his face, it said. He knew that he hadn't done anything to deserve this. This is that category of pain and trial. But somehow he came to the place and we're, we're doing our best to be in that place as well. Proverbs 3, 5, you probably can quote this, many of you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. I'm here to tell you that he is amazing, that he is a miracle worker, that he has all wisdom, that we can trust him, you can trust him. In the midst of the trials where faith is required, we like to think of it as before the trial to deliver us from the trial. But all of us are gonna have trials and in the midst of the trial, faith is required. And faith is this, you are good, you love me, you do all things well, you will help me. If you don't deliver me, you must have some purpose. I will trust you even though I don't understand. Second Chronicles 32, seven, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. Here the Israelites were outnumbered and it looks like they're gonna be waylaid. And I love this passage, for there is a power far greater on our side. That's what I want you to know, whatever you're facing. That's what I believe with what we're facing. There's a power that's far greater on our side. He may have a great army. It's talking about the enemy now, but they are merely men. We have the Lord, our God, to help us. I hope you feel that and believe that, 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 that the Lord, your God, will help you. And to fight our battles for us. Hezekiah's words greatly encourage the people. You and I have a power far greater to help us. He'll bring us victory here, there, or in the air. Third thought today, coming from this passage. Trusting in yourself more than God will eventually cause you big trouble. Samson shows us that you can't be full of the Holy Spirit when you're full of yourself. It was, all, it was sporadic for him. God showed up and then shortly after God showed up to do amazing things, Samson took over again in his life with his own thoughts, working in his own way, on his own power. Judges 15, 16, then Samson said, listen, listen, to, <laughs> listen to how cocky this guy is. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. Who piled them in heaps? Do you remember David's prayer I, when he went towards the giant? That my God will defeat you and this has happened in the name of, the, of, of my Lord and my God who's defeated the giant today? No talk like that from Samson. I have piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. Not God has, I have. And when he finished his 
boasting, in case you didn't think that was boasting, the Bible wants to help us understand that it was bo- he was boasting. He threw away the jawbone and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Other places in the Bible, we see that when God brings great deliverance, um, his name is spoken uh, in, in, in the name given to the place where great victory happened. God has delivered us or the place where God smote the, the Philistines or th- these places, these names have meaning. And often when there's a great battle, they'll name the place like he did, but he didn't put God in the title of, of that victory at all. But th- then we see, um, it doesn't take long for him to realize that, uh, that he's not all that powerful because verse 18, next verse, Samson was now very thirsty and he cried out to the Lord. You have accomplished this great victory. That starts out okay. But he goes on, by the strength of your servant. Whose strength? He, he's, he's warped. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground. So shortly, even in that moment, he realizes that he can't even take care of himself. He doesn't have any water. And we may think, now listen, we're not that far from Samson in our lives. We tend to think that we're smart enough to handle this. I don't need God. I can do this. I know what to do. I, I know business. I've studied business. I've had great success in the past. And we don't even ask God about direction sometimes. We don't ask him about our children and how to approach them when we're having difficulty or the difficulty with the spouse and God, what would you like me to do? And then when he speaks and says, I'd like you to humble yourself and and apologize and be at peace as far as it depends on you, we say, yeah, you got anything else, God, that, you know, because just just a little something else, I think I'd feel better about it than that because I have to humble myself in that case. And here's two major problems we see in the life of Samson. One, he disobeys God's truths. If you go back in the beginning here, he decided to marry a pagan woman against God's laws in those days. Don't marry anyone outside the Israelites. You say, um, I would say that equates today to not being unequally yoked to an unbeliever. Don't marry people that don't know Jesus Christ because uh, you, you need to accept them for the way they are. Now, if you're in a marriage and they don't know Jesus Christ, First Peter 3, 1 through 6 says, stay there and try to bless them to know Christ. But, but date people who have the same value system as you, the same, uh, when I say value system, I mean this, this book. Be- because if two people get married and the two become one and they're growing towards Jesus Christ, look what happens to them in their relationship as they grow towards Jesus. They start here, but as they move towards Jesus, they grow closer together. But if you're growing to Jesus and he's growing somewhere else, it's, it's really difficult. And it's harder. And though that, that wasn't as strong a command as this, it's certainly uh, spoken of in the New Testament. But he disobeyed that truth. He disobeyed the truth of of uh, picking up that jawbone. A Nazarite wasn't supposed to touch a dead body. And it said freshly killed donkey. And those may not seem like big deals, but God just, God told him not to do it. Sometimes God will ask us not to do something that, um, that you can't necessarily find in the word that is wrong, but he cares about us so much that he'd lead us another direction so we don't have pain. And, and when you get those words and they're confirmed in your heart and life in a number of ways and you can feel that deep conviction that the Lord is speaking, follow. Resist the temptation not, not to do your own thing but to follow God. 
he disobeyed those commands. When I was a young boy, we lived in Central California for a few years, and I remember Dad took us fishing a lot. Well, there in the mountains of Central California, um, it's really dry, and there's a lot of rocks and just a few trees, and and then there were streams and rivers that will flow through in those dry areas, and it's just a perfect breeding ground for rattlesnakes, and there's a lot of them in Central California. And... Um, those hot, dry areas, when we would fish, we saw rattlesnakes several times. As a matter of fact, more than once I can remember a coiled rattlesnake rattling his rattler, rattler and looking at me. Now, I was some distance away. But Dad taught us a strategy for the rattlesnakes. The very first part of it was avoidance. <laughs> Stay away from the rattlesnakes. And then if you hear or see... It was very specific. Turn and run. That was our strategy, right? Run away from, quickly. Now, I was never close enough where one could strike, but I was close enough where I'd hear the rattler and just turn and run sometimes. My dad must really like fishing to take his kids into that, huh? <laughs> well, I would venture to say we saw a few more than most people and I don't, I don't know why. Perhaps it's this illustration today. Now we weren't around that many rattlesnakes but they are in Oregon, you know. And there's a lot of them in eastern Oregon. And I have had a talk with my kids because I would take them fishing, not as much but, you know, I taught them the avoid, turn, run strategy, right? And I remember one time, I don't know what I was thinking but I, I, I was speaking at a camp and, and the kids were ah, 14 and 12 or something like that and um, I needed to get cell phone coverage. So we drove up out of the camp to the top of the mountain and when I got a signal, I stopped the car along the side of the road and I told the kids, uh, hey, why don't you guys just get out and explore while I'm on this phone call? It might take me a few minutes. There's a barn over there. Go look. I never thought about rattlesnakes. Probably should have, but I didn't. But I remember looking in this big rear view mirror and seeing my kids walk away and I'm talking on the phone to someone and immediately I saw them do this. Boom! And they were gone. And they came back and opened the door and got in and shut it and I go, what in the world is going on? I couldn't imagine what made them do that. And they said, we just heard a rattler from a rattlesnake as we were moving there and we just turned and ran and I said, good job! <laughs> Bad daddy, what are you sending them out there for? But, but here's the deal with sin. Um, if God says avoid and then turn and run, which is pretty much the strategy for, for overcoming sin, you have his power, thank God. It's not all on your own. But if, if we refuse to do that and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not afraid of snakes. I kind of like snakes. Snakes are cool. <laughs> you know, eventually it's going to get us. Ouch, I hurt myself. <laughs> Samson kept flirting with danger, ignoring God's word, taking all the credit, the glory for himself. And he got away with it for a while. John 15, 10 says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, there's a promise in there 
that is unbelievable. As a matter of fact, this week in your life groups, you're going to discover specific promises that God makes to those who trust in him. I'm saying stay away from. It'll be a little more positive in your life groups. The promises for following God, here's one of them. Hard to believe that there's more joy in following God than the way of the world for some people, but it's absolutely true. Someone may say, but I really like that feeling that sex gives or that drug gives. And the Bible says you can enjoy sin for a season, but in the end, it will get you. It will bite you like a snake. It will hurt, it will wound, it will destroy, it will tear apart. And sure, you can enjoy it for a little bit, but then suddenly massive pain. Like a dam that burst, it'll come upon you. And God's saying, I love you. I'm patient with you. Follow me, trust me, and you will be filled with joy and your joy will overflow. Second way he gets in trouble here is he takes credit for the victory. He boasted he had won. And verse 17 said, when he finished boasting, and verse 18 said, the strength of your servant, taking credit with his own strength. And when we start to take credit for all the victories and even the good things in our lives, we cause great trouble for ourselves and for those around us. Because if we're a parent and they see us taking credit because of our talents and abilities for even the provision of God, right? If there's anything that this era is teaching us in America, or at least I should say one of the things that it's causing us to know is, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Our gifts, talents, and abilities can't always make money. That we need to trust in the Lord. And we need to know that when there's a good thing, we need to give him credit. I mean, right, even the prayer at meals, it's, meals, it's become uh, a redundant thing in the lives of many believers. But the idea is to give thanks to God for all things. And when you bow your head at the table and say, God, thank you for your provision. This, it's not just the food, it's, it's the house and I mean, right, it's raining hard at night more than once Karen or I have turned to the other and said, man, aren't you grateful that the Lord has given us this house because it is cold and rainy out there. And I've been in countries recently where people have to stay out in the cold and the rain. And, and even his provision or, or, you know, that great sale at work or that promotion, and we need to understand that all these things come from the Lord. My dad used to tell a story that I loved about an old man. This is in the days when cars weren't as prevalent, just a few old ones on the road. A young man walked by a mountain house and he was headed into the valley to town. And grandpa was sitting on the porch in his rocker. And as the walker went by in his fancy suit, Grandpa said, where are you going, son? And he said, I'm going to town to have me a good time. The old man said, you mean Lord willing, don't you? And the walker said, doesn't matter if God's willing or not, I'm going. Little ways down the road, a car came by, hit a mud puddle, and splashed him till he was filthy. And he headed back home. And as he walked by the house again, Grandpa smiled and said, where are you going now, son? And the walker said, Lord willing, I'm going home. I love that story just because it it explains how it really is. You can take it on your own, but you are limited. And if if you decide to tap into the resources that God has and then 
not only tap in, because Samson had the spirit moving, right? But then give God the glory for all he, he does in your life. I, I find it funny, this whole Tebow thing. I don't know why I'm kind of enamored by it right now, but anybody notice that there's this new thing called Tebowing? It's like planking. It, raise your hand if you've heard of Tebowing. Like a million people have signed up on Facebook. I mean, planking is the dumbest thing in the world to me. I don't get it. Uh, and I don't know what it is. Ask someone else. But, it, but, but they take pictures like this, like planked. And, but Tebowing is this. After the game in the melee last week, when Tebow uh, was playing terrible for 57 minutes and then made the best comeback in the history of the last three minutes in the, in the NFL, uh, terrible for 57 minutes and then awesome for three minutes, uh, when everybody went crazy, when they won right at the end and started jumping around all his teammates, Tebow went like this and he, see, he was more like this. He got down and he prayed and thanked God in the midst of the melee. Well, like planking, all of a sudden they called it Tebowing. People are taking pictures in the midst of busy, busy things all around them and they asked Tim Tebow about it and he goes, I have no idea what that's all about. I, I hope something good happens when they kneel down. I, and, and they say they're not mocking, at least the guy who started the website, but a million people have already signed up for that and now Tebowing's becoming uh, this, this thing. And it, it, I, I find it interesting. I, I'm not saying Tim Tebow's a great football player. I think he could be someday. But I am saying that kid just wants to give God the glory in everything he does. And somehow, when everybody would like him to go away, uh, the Lord is using his life. I think that's a pretty good example for us to, no, no matter what happens, just, just give him the credit. Give him the glory. You say, well, can't I take a little credit for myself? Yes, here's the credit you can take. You follow God. Good job. When we're prideful about our abilities and take credit for all of life's victories, life will eventually deteriorate. Because if you say, I got it, God will say, okay, you're on your own then. I prefer to walk with you. I prefer to help you. And Samson eventually found himself on his own. Well, let's, let's end with a positive here. And we're gonna come, and if the band would come now, we're gonna, we're gonna pray here in just a moment. Psalm thirty-three, sixteen: The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Now, in those days, you couldn't speak of power in any greater way than a great warrior, great weaponry, great king. So God was saying, the thing you think is the most powerful, don't trust in that. And that translates to us today. The thing you think that's the most powerful, whether it might be money for you. It might be another person that you're listening to more than God. But he says none of that can save. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save you. But, but here's the promises now again. But the Lord watches over those who fear him. Those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. Now, now here's what I'm, you say, what's this about today? Here's what it's about. Look at verse 20. This is, this is what I hope we get out of this. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. 